listening to the Arise Church podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. excited because it's really really if you think about it it's it's probably the climax of the scripture you know like carlos isn't jesus rising from the dead the climax yes it is that too but what i'm trying to say is is that this whole idea of god redeeming wasn't just about the nation of israel but it was about all people and so here we see finally that Peter is coming to an understanding that it's not just about Israel, but it is about all people. So now we're at, now we see Cornelius, right? And it says that he was a, a devout man, that he was a um, he was a centurion, which means that he had a hundred people under his care and uh, responsibility. So he was a, he had a man he was a man of authority. And but what we know about him is that he gave alms and prayers to God. That, that his heart was for Jesus. So even though it's not clear whether he was a proselyte or not, and scholars can argue about that all they want, but it's not the point whether he was uh, actually a believer or not a believer. The point was, was that he sought to honor Yahweh and his good works in his prayers rose before Yahweh as a fragrant incense. And so God honors that as faith and, and comes to him and tells him, hey, and like I can't even, I can only imagine that scene, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of hanging out. I actually tried to imagine it this morning. Um, we have a door, and I I get up at five thirty every morning, and I drink my coffee, and it's just it's like it's the only time of the day I can have quiet time, to be honest. I mean, like we're like actual quiet, like no noise, you know? Because with four kids, you know, as soon as they wake up, it's like there's no such thing as quiet time, and that's okay, right, son? Right? It's all good, right? Jeez, yeah. I should have said something about Boba Fett. He would have. He would have heard me. <laughs> so Cornelius is devout, and we know that about him. And we see that God is now uh, speaking to, or He's coming in a vision to this man. Um, he sends the angel of God comes to him, and so that's a, that's an amazing thing, right? Usually, when an angel of God comes to you, there's got to be there's some important reason for that. But if we step back a little bit and we consider Jesus. We have to consider Jesus in this story because Jesus does everything basically the opposite of way, the way I would do it, right? Um, Jesus picks unlikely disciples, right? Uneducated people who didn't go to master's, didn't go to Multnomah, don't have a Bible degree or a seminary degree. They're like, they're like blue-collar fishermen who are like, you know, they cuss like a sailor because they are a sailor kind of thing. Like Jesus doesn't do it the way we do it. He heals unlikely people. He talks to a Samaritan woman. He touches unclean people. He scolds religious people. Um, every, everything, you know, you think, well, Jesus would probably applaud the religious people because they're doing so, such good work, right? It's like, no, he scolds them because he sees their heart. His way up was down to the grave, right? It's his wounds that heal. Like the irony of all these things, right? Like, it's just the opposite of how we think. So, so now we have to think, and we look at Cornelius and the story of Cornelius, 
And the story of Cornelius tells us that this man who worked for the oppressive man, government, who is not a Jew, but still has faith, can be part of this relationship that God is offering. It's not the person we pick. You know, we talked about the conversion of uh, Saul a couple weeks ago to, to, to Paul. And uh, the name Saul means the one you picked, right? Because when Israel picked the first Saul, it was because he was, like, handsome and good-looking and tall. And, like, and even, like, we think about the churches today and church today, it's not uncommon for the water to spill while the pastor's preaching. <laughs> Thank you, man. Humanity. It's a beautiful part of humanity, right? But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, uh, you know, though we would pick the beautiful person, God is showing us it's not how he does things. And though we would pick the qualified person, that's not how he does things. And so Cornelius is this person who we don't expect that is going to be on Team Jesus. But God is saying, no, his heart and his prayers and his works have gone before him. Um, the, the kind of thing I want to repeat to you guys, and I want you to hear this, okay? Because this is really important for, for us today. Is that in Jesus, I'm just going to hold this up. It's like no good spot. Okay. In Jesus, God has removed every man-made barrier prohibiting any person from entering his presence by faith. Go again. In Jesus, God has removed every man-made barrier prohibiting any person from entering his presence by faith. That's a huge thing right now in this story. Peter's, Peter's a little bit, he's thinking about stuff, like he's, he's going through stuff. And, but before I talk about Peter, let me just back up. I want to highlight something to you. The way, the, way, uh, the way Luke presents Jesus is teaching, but also the way Luke presents this teaching, okay? So Luke does the thing. Actually, it's Jesus' thing. Jesus does it first, but then Luke copies this style, this stylistic thing. And what he does here. So if you just want to look at this later, you can look at this. I'm just going to briefly talk over it. It's really rich and deep. But Luke chapter 15, if you guys are familiar with, there's three stories that are told in Luke chapter 15. And the first story is the story of the lost sheep. Okay, what's what's in the lost sheep? What's the story of the lost sheep? He leaves the 99 and goes after the one, right? So how's that story end, right? Like, and they celebrated, the man celebrated because he found his one sheep out of the 99. So it, it's like, you know, for us, we think, oh, he's got 100. What's, what's losing one? But no, even that one out of 100 has value. And in, in the West, we like to read those stories by themselves and they write devotionals about the one sheep, right? I'm just teasing you guys. And write devotionals about the one sheep. But it's connected to the next story, which the next story is what? The, the parable of the lost coins. This woman, this, I think it's a widow, actually, it says. It says she's a widow? Yeah, she, she, she's got ten coins, and she loses a coin, and she does everything in her power to find that coin. And when she finds that one coin, that one out of ten, she rejoices because the coin is found. Well, can you guys tell me what is the next story? The lost son. The lost son. Or the prodigal? The prodigal son. So... Jesus does this thing where he lures you in. He says, if they found the sheep, of course there's value. If they found this coin, of course there's value. One out of a hundred? One out of a hundred? Yes. One out of ten? Much more so. 
one out of two brothers, one out of two brothers, absolutely there's value. Well, Luke does a similar thing here, talking about um, talking about Cornelius, because if we weren't subject to the numbers in the Bible, which were brought for us later and are helpful, I'm not critiquing that. Don't hear that. But what I'm saying is, sometimes it prohibits us from seeing them together, right? So let's back up just a little bit. In chapter 9, verse 36, right before we get to the story, Luke writes this story. He says, now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which, which translated means Dorcas. I'm sorry. The high school kid in me is like always going to laugh at that. So. <laughs> she was full of good works and acts of charity. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Cornelius. Exactly. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days, she became ill and died. And when she had washed her, uh, when they had washed her and laid her in an upper room, I'm sorry. And when they had washed her and laid her in an upper room, uh, since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went to them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Right? Because pure religion is what? To look after orphans and widows in their time of distress, right? So here's this, this Jewish girl who's a believing girl. She dies. And it's like, of course we're going to help this young lady. And so Peter shushes everybody out the room, gathering them, but let's take care of business. And it says in verse 41, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one, Simon, a tanner. Um, this is just like, it, if you want to go deeper study on this, if, when you think about Joppa, there should always ring something in your ears. And if you're, if you're a Jew... Or a first reader, I would say, right? A first reader of the Old Testament scriptures or the Tanakh or the, what we call the Old Testament. Then when you hear Joppa, you immediately think of Jonah, right? Jonah was this prophet who was called to go to non-believing, non-Jewish people and preach a sermon of repentance so that God would not destroy them. And the story goes that Jonah does indeed go, but only after he tries to run away first. So like he's reluctant. Why is this person of God reluctant to go tell these people who are non-Jews about the goodness of God? And Jonah, Jonah tells us, I didn't want to go because I knew you might relent. And um, so when you think about Joppa, and you think about this man sending these people to Joppa, if you're a first reader of the scripture in the Old Testament, you're immediately going back to Jonah and remembering there was already a, 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 a huge revival among these Gentiles that happened from someone from the nation of Israel. And when there were, it's like one of the biggest recorded revivals we see in the Old Testament. And the end of the book ends with God questioning Jonah because Jonah's upset. Right. Like, fam, <laughs> like God just did amazing work with you and brought about 140,000 people that we know of, right? not including cattle and stuffs on the hills, right? But God does this huge thing, and the book ends with God's displeasure at Jonah because Jonah is missing the point. And Jonah doesn't want to go because he thinks that as a Jew, God, Yahweh is for them and them alone. 
And how, why would I go to them and offer you? God, you're, you're too good. You might, you might relent from that, Lord. You might actually save them. And yet we like, don't find ourselves in a different situation sometimes as believers today. We can find very easily that as Christians, we hold people back from encountering or hearing or experiencing the gospel, whether it's through our relationships or through the actual gospel presentation, because we think that, or we don't think, but whatever it is, we, we withhold from them because they're those people, just like Jonah. So now we have Cornelius, a man who is not a Jew, or let's say this, he's not a Christian either, right? Not yet. <laughs> He comes and he hears, he sees the angel of the Lord. And now, granted, like, listen, if we had a, we, if we had a vision like that, some of us would probably act on that vision, right? You know, we might end up in a mental hospital, but because people are like, you did not see that. I'm sorry, guy. You need to take some stuff. <laughs> but uh, but here's the thing, though. Like, so he's he's doing this out of faith, and he's he's sent men to drop him. And uh, he doesn't just send men, he sends two of his servants plus an armed guard, one of his soldiers. I call him an armed guard because that's kind of like, that's what he was, more or less. So we think about Dorcas, and, and the way she is presented is the same way that Cornelius is presented. But um, God has to come, Peter doesn't need a, a, a vision to go help Dorcas. Man, a lot of names. Isn't it? Peter doesn't need a vision to go help Dorcas, but God does graciously give him a vision to go and help this man who is not a Jew, who is not even a Samaritan, right? A half-breed, maybe. It's like, nope, this person is not the person you would expect. And that's the point of the passage, right? That's the point of all of this. Is that like God is choosing people who are, that we don't expect. Like, I'm just going to stick to my notes because I, I, I want to talk, but I talk too much. So then the angel comes to Cornelius, your prayers and alms have ascended before, as a memorial before the God. Send men, send men for a man called Simon Peter, saying with Simon the Tanner. Um, Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2. Uh, I love this. It's actually, it made me really meditate on like my, my prayer life, right? It says, O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me, give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Right? In a sacrificial system, it's sometimes, like uh, in the Old Testament specifically, it was easier to slip the animal's throat and offer it to God than it was to rend your heart and rend your prayers to the Lord. Right? In fact, doesn't, doesn't he say that in 2 Samuel? Um, oh, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So then we come to Peter, right? And Peter cracks us up, right? Because he's like Mr. Walk on Water for a hot second. He's Mr. Pull out your sword for kingdom's sake. He's Mr. Deny Jesus three times. But last and not leastly, he's also the one who confesses Christ. Like, by the Spirit of God, he confesses Christ. And what does Christ affirm in him in that? Like, Peter, you're the rock. You're the rock. And on you, I'm going to build the church. So despite of all, all of the, the foibles of Peter, all of the craziness and things that we, we really identify with Peter, I don't know, at 
least I do. Like, my foot is in my mouth a lot. Like, if you guys know me, I probably shouldn't be standing up here. No, I'm just kidding. But, but for real, though, I feel a lot like Peter at times where I'm eager and excited and zealous to do what is right by the Lord, but I might be missing the point. So, like Peter, I say things without having thought about them first. <laughs> you guys ever do anything like that? Yeah? No, okay, okay. A few people, few, few people are being honest. All right. But um, well, Peter sees the vision, right? The sheet comes down, and there's this pulled pork, and there's ribs, and there's ham. And me and Pastor Steve were like, praise God for the new covenant. Right? Right, bro? Lo-fi smoke. Go, go follow. And uh, so, but this time, he's, he doesn't reject Jesus three times, but Jesus is gracious to him and gives him the vision three times. And he says to him three times, he, he says, Lord, don't, don't, please don't make me do that. Like, I've never done that. Like, Lord, I still have righteousness in me. Like, I still follow the law. I'm still a kosher Jew. Right? And wrapped up in his statement is, is what he can do. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not about what you have done. It's about what I have done. I have made those things that are unclean, clean. I have made, don't call uh, common or uncommon or whatever the word is. Let me see right here. <laughs> but basically, God can change something and make it good. And God is taking the Peter's view of the Gentiles and he's making it good for Peter. Peter, you have to know, like, I can change those things too. So we have, okay, right here, listen. The idea that, see it, there we go. Okay. So why is Peter worried about that? Why is he even thinking about that? Why would he, why would he think that, you know, that there's an issue? Um, Lord, please don't tell me I've ever, you know, like I've never done that. Because even in that, fam, even in saying that, there's still a little bit of self-righteousness in Peter, Right? Like there's still some there's still some earning in Peter that lingers. Like no Lord, I haven't I haven't done all those things. Like I'm still good I'm still good in my own works. Like that's kind of what he's saying. I'm still good because of my behavior. And God's like no 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 no. I make righteous. I make clean. Like it's not because of what you do. And I'm not I'm not advocating. Of course I'm not advocating that that God doesn't change us when we come when we come in contact with Him. Right. But what I am saying is that, like, our righteousness is never, like Peter, is never formed or viewed because of what we do or what we offer. Like, it's just not. The idea that God was for ethnic Israel to the exclusion of other nations is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. Rather, continuous provision for the proselyte, proselyte and the convert. The specialness of the relationship between God and Israel was to be a beacon to the nations, saying, this is, or this way to Yahweh, but not as a barrier, but as a path. Now, I have a little daughter named Molly. Molly, can you raise your hand? How old are you, Molly? Six? Oh, I thought you were five. <laughs> if, but anyway, if I told, look at, when you look out here on the, the property, this is a, you know, a wonderful property we have here. These gates are so secure, right? If I told Molly, Molly, the path to freedom is just outside that gate, 
And then I, then I said, all you have to do is go move that gate. Do you think little Molly could go and move that 1,000-pound gate? No. Like, Cooper can barely do it. Cooper does CrossFit, right? <laughs> like, Cooper's like, she's like doing all her deadlift on that gate. <laughs> but it's, so here's the thing. When we say there's the, there's the path to freedom, and then we put a barrier in front of someone, we effectively, and we don't help them remove the barrier or show them how to remove the barrier, we effectively are telling them, you can't have that, right? When we think about the uh, uh, outer courts of the temple, the Gentiles were not allowed to go past this wall. There was the, the gen- court of the Gentiles. And um, really, it stood as a beacon of hostility towards Gentiles, non-Jews, that you can come this close, but you can't come all the way in. And then Paul says in Ephesians, right, that in Christ, that, um, that, in Christ, that Christ tore down the dividing wall of hostility, right? So once, the, once we were alienated, but now we can come close because of Christ. So Peter is taking a long time to realize that Jesus is for more than ethnic Israel. He is also for the Samaritan half-breeds, which is reported earlier in chapter 8, um, to which Peter investigated himself. Like, he didn't just, like, like, oh, cool, they're, they're a part of the party, too? Sweet. Like, oh, they're a part of it? Cool. He's like, okay, well, let me go, let me come check this out. Like, I'm going to come check it out. So he investigates and checks it out. Um, we don't know if he knew about the Ethiopian or not, right? Like, first, you know, yeah, black man, as far as I, right, Steve? Is that about right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's crazy, yeah. right? So we don't know if he's skeptical of that or what, but we do kind of get the idea that he's starting to soften his religiosity because he is hanging with a guy who would be ritually unclean because he was a tanner. A tanner is someone like, I don't know, do you guys like watch those old TV shows where like people live off the grid? <laughs> and there's always the old guy with like the sweet mustache and the cowboy hat. And he's like, oh, I've been doing beaver skins for... <laughs> like, that's a tanner, right? Like they, they, take their, they take the skin off the animal and then they prepare it for being sold or being used or um, with its material. So, so he's hanging with someone who would be ritually unclean. So we know maybe his heart is soft towards what God is doing. And then, and then I have to believe that in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 and on there, that those word, the words of Jesus are still ringing true to Peter. So God, this, conver- this conversion story is about Cornelius, but really it's about the conversion of Peter. The conversion of Peter to see that God's heart, it, or let me just rephrase it this way, in Jesus, God has removed every man-made barrier prohibiting any person from entering his presence by faith. Luke 24, 44 says, uh, this is Jesus' words. It says, and Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus right there is saying that um, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, if you guys aren't familiar, that's the Torah, Nebi'im, and the Ketuvim, which encompassed all of what we call the Old Testament. Jesus is saying all that was written about him in the Old Testament is pointing towards pointing towards him, right? He says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in all 
in his name to what? To all the nations. It has always been God's heart. Always, always, always been God's heart to see people come and draw near to him. Chapter 10, verse 19, it says, And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany, accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. You know that little phrase, without hesitation, like the angel tells him? Without hesitation can be translated without distinction. Do you guys, like, that's, like, the, when you see that person, you don't see a non-Jew. You go with them without distinction. The way you went to Tabitha, to Dorcas, is the way you're going to go to this to this guy's house. Without distinction. Because it doesn't matter that they're a Jew or they're not a Jew. You're going to go. So God is converting Peter. God is converting Peter to see that his heart is for all people, the nations. I love how Paul, um, there's no partiality with God, right? Like we guys, we know that. There's no favoritism. We're not good as humans at not having favorites. If we're all honest, we really, we really, as a people, we struggle with having favorites. Like, and that's okay. God can work, God's working in all of us still. It doesn't mean like that's not to shame anybody. But with God, there's no favoritism. Uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter three. Now we know we all know like the second part of this verse, but like the first part is really the thing that lays the foundation for how we should even be even speaking about this last part of the verse. But I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 3, verse 21, he says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, right? Which is what Peter is wrestling with. Lord, I didn't I didn't eat those things. Like, surely not, I would never do that. And God is saying, Look. What I make righteous, I make righteous, not because of how you work, but how I work, right? But, uh, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Do you guys hear that? There is no favorites. And then everybody likes to quote this verse like, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now listen, that's a good verse. That's a good verse, and you should all know that verse. But if you separate that, if you just share that verse apart from the, the first part, the, when you just share that verse by itself, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you're, the hearer says, you have sinned. But when you share the verse with verse uh, 21 and 22, you say, we have sinned, and we have the same need. But Jesus, do you Amen. guys hear that? Amen. There's no distinction. Yeah. It's not for you have sinned and you have fallen short. It's, it's laying the, leveling the playing field that there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, that all of us have the same need, not based on our ethnicity, not based on our socioeconomic status, not based on anything external, race, money, creed, orientation, uh, a political party, or otherwise. There is nothing that makes you better or worse it, or ready for a relationship with God just that you are born. Yeah. Like yeah. you are born and you are the image of God, therefore you qualify for the loan, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. aren't you guys tired yeah. of those text yeah. messages Thank about the $50,000 you, you didn't sign up for? Yeah. <laughs> but fam, we got better news than that. It's yeah. not 50 grand that is they're gonna like jack you on. Come on. It's salvation. Come on. It's good salvation from yeah. God. Yeah. And it's not anything that any of us have earned. Mm. Why should we go to the world 
and have an attitude that says you deserve, you don't deserve, you deserve, wow. you don't wow. deserve. Help Why us. should we look at the Democrats Help or the Republicans us, and Lord. say you don't deserve that or you're wicked or you're evil? Fam, we are all in need of Jesus. We are all on the level playing field. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our hope is in the work and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not of our own. Peter is learning something here because God is showing him that it's not about Israel. It's about those who have faith. About, it's about seeing everyone as the same being made in the image of God. God from the very beginning. Yes, he chose Abraham and he blessed. But what did he bless? He didn't just bless Abraham, but he told Abraham what? That he would bless the nations. nations. This is the culmination of scripture that God is telling Peter, Cornelius, go to him. And in Peter's heart, he's learning. He's learning something. He's learning a valuable lesson that there's no righteousness apart from there's no righteousness by what you do. There's only righteousness by what Christ does. Mm -hmm. Amen. Did you guys hear that this morning? Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus, God has removed every man-made barrier prohibiting any person from entering his presence by faith. The good news of the, good news of the gospel is as much for a religious zealot named Saul and a religious zealot named Carlos who grew up in the church. Hmm as it is for the person who has no knowledge of their bondage. Mm. We aren't sent on mission to argue politics, dispute ecclesiology, or even to plant organizations mm. called churches. Mm. We are sent on mission to set the captives free. Help us, God. That Jesus would make righteous, not that we would make righteous. Man. I won't go to the next passage, but I just want to read that first. The first line of the next passage is really the, the top. I'm going to close with this. So Peter, in verse 34 of chapter 10, opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, Amen. but in every nation, Amen. anyone who fears him mm -hmm. and does what is right is accepted, acceptable to him. Fam, let's not be, let's not tell people about the freedom and then put barriers in front of them. Oof. Let's not tell them Hey, we'd love, to, we'd love for you to experience Jesus, but you've got to go to church. Mm. We'd love for you to, to, to have that salvation story also, but you've got you to gotta read this Bible, this, or this version of this Bible. Or let's just not put anything in the way. Let's just, let's just celebrate when, when God comes upon them and, and his fullness and the spirit of God comes on people and he moves in them. Let us be the people who say, what keeps these people from being baptized right now? Mm -hmm. Not, okay, now you got to go to Bible school and study for a year before we can accept you as a mature believer. Then you can join us and be on the leadership. Mm -hmm. God forbid, man. We have so much to offer. We have so much. To, we have, there's so many people out there who are unaware of their own bondage. And we're... We're, we're still wrestling with small things. Like remember, right? Remember the first love and remember also your first freedom. Remember your first freedom and remember that that freedom that God gave you, he didn't put any barrier in front of you. He just asked you to, to believe by faith.
So let's just remember that, fam. Let's not put anything in the way. Let's let's be. It's okay to be Cornelius, and it's okay to be Peter in the story, because we can hear and learn from God that God God's heart is for all. Amen. 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 Lord.